This episode is brought to you by Pillar Performance. If you take your training seriously but have a busy life, sleep can be one of the main things that makes your life and training great or terrible. Taking Pillar's Triple Magnesium 30 to 60 minutes before bed every night means that your sleep quality will improve, recovery will improve, and you can wake up the next day ready to train, work, be a good partner, friend, or parent. Stop letting your poor sleep make you tired and grumpy. Head to Pillar Performance's website, get yourself some triple magnesium, and use the discount code HTT20 for 20% off your order. team it is episode three can't believe we made it this far um and we've got some yeah great news to talk about on the podcast today we had some awesome racing uh finishing up in Cagliari and our special guest today is no other than a podium getter in Cagliari Taylor Spivey herself from the United States so we're pretty excited to have our first female on the podcast and we're with the others as always Hammer how are you I'm good, mate. Very good. Very excited about today's episode. I'm uh, looking forward to kind of reviewing what happened over the weekend and uh, picking Taylor's brain. And the first female we've actually had on the podcast. So welcome to the show, Taylor. Wow, thank you. It's an honor to be the first female. <laughs> nice. And Jack, how are you, mate? How's um, how's life on uh, on the Aussie turf? Life's good, Hayden. Really excited to jump into all things short course racing for the weekend because it's probably the first time this year I've been, um, I've walked away from a short course race thinking that was a good race. Like I really enjoyed watching both the male and female race. Um, Also keen to hear your story about nearly shitting yourself on your run before we started recording this podcast, but maybe we'll hear about that later on. Oh, we sure will. And um, I guess the main reason why everyone actually listens to this podcast uh, is the giveaway is getting uh, drawn today. So that's another exciting um, segment of um, today's podcast. But we'll start off with uh, World Triathlon Series Cagliari recap. Um, so I guess uh, Hamish and Jack, would you guys like, how, how would you like to go with this? Would you like Taylor and I to to kind of just, you know, go through our own races and how we felt? Or would you like to ask us kind of like a question scenario, like we're all open ears? I think what we do here is we hear about the women's race first. We got Taylor on. Let's let's make the most of having her on. Um, let's sort of, maybe it'd be awesome to hear the, the race from your perspective, Taylor. You played a massive role in the race, came third, took the lead in the, um, the championship series. So I think maybe if you could talk to us about how the race went from sort of start to finish. And then after that, we can jump in and, and um, ask questions. Oh, put me on the spot. No questions. All right. So <laughs> the race in Cagliari, I went into it after getting COVID in Yokohama. So I wasn't quite sure how I would pull up. You know, I thought this would be a runner's race. I wasn't sure if we'd have a breakaway because we had a quite a few of the like strong swim cyclists missing like Soph and Taylor Nib. So yeah, I, I'd say confidence was a bit low going into it, but I was looking forward to the Australian start for the swim. And I, I used a bit of my surf life-saving background knowledge. I picked a good side on the swim and yeah, I got off to a good start with the 
with the long run in, um, avoided some holes. And I noticed about like 200 meters or even 100 meters into the swim, I was towards the front. And uh, we kept the pace on the whole time and came out of the water with a decent lead and a bit of a gap between, um, you know, the six of us and, uh, you know, the chase pack with some strong runners. Yeah, from there, the bike was, it's a pretty flat, you know, out and back course with like a bit of technical sections, but there's not a lot to it. So I think Maya and I, since we are often in breakaways together, we did a good job of motivating the group to just like roll turns and work together. And lap by lap, we saw the gap increasing from the the chase pack. And uh, we knew there were some strong runners in there and I knew we had to get over a minute lead um, to stay away from some of them. And yeah, I think we came off the bike with about a minute 15 gap that last lap of the bike we tend to lose time to the chase pack if it's big so I think the group got a bit complacent at this point and I think there were only like two or three of us really on the front for that last lap which is a bit frustrating (laughs) for me but um, I just tried to keep the pressure on and not totally kill myself for the run but yeah came off of the run Knew what the gap was, didn't know how fast they would be running behind me, didn't know how fast I would be running because, um, like I said, I had COVID and my run in Yokohama wasn't great because I had quite a bit of back issues on the run. Um, I think it was from the cold, but I wasn't entirely sure. So I was happy to have felt pretty good on the run, but still somehow a few of the girls in the back were, you know, gaining little by little. So I tried to keep a steady pace and um, got some splits from the coaches and other people on the course. And the last lap, I really had to dig deep to make sure Cassandra wouldn't catch me. But um, yeah, Cassandra and John put in, you know, pretty big effort in the run. And there was a moment there when I was like thinking to myself, oh boy, don't get fourth again, Taylor, like you do this. <laughs> just give it all these last 2k and I think I surged a little bit and just hung on for for dear life until that finish line and managed to walk away with them or maybe crawl away third place and my second podium this year so it was really really reassuring I was really happy with this result and I know I have a lot of work to do but yeah I look forward to the rest of the season Taylor, do you feel like there's two separate races going on? Obviously, your consistency this year has been really, really good. Um, but if we go back to the last Olympics, you unfortunately missed out and there was four Americans in that top 20. Are you having races with inside the race? Because obviously you're trying to probably win that world championship at the moment, but also, you know, the next Olympics, Paris is just around the corner. Are you like mindful of where these other ladies are coming? Because there's so many bloody good Americans like out there in the women's section. Are you thinking about that going in before a race or are you just focusing on, I want to be the world champion, I want to get on that podium, I want to win a race? I think it wasn't until this race that I even thought that I could be a world champion. Like it's pretty special to be holding, you know, the number one spot in the series right now. But in terms of like the races in the race, with the other Americans, these races don't matter for Olympic qualification. Right. So I think just the consistency in these races and continuing to 
you know, perform across all three disciplines is giving me confidence because I think I gain confidence as I perform. I don't really go into these races like with the most confidence. That's not the type of person I am, unfortunately. But I come out of them with, you know, a building confidence and I'm pretty realistic and I have a bit of self-doubt as most athletes do. But um, the races that matter are the Paris Test event and Ponte Vedra. So I was in a pretty good spot going into the last test event, the Tokyo test event. Um, but I had my worst, my absolute worst race in years there. I walked a K of it. Um, I had some stomach issues and I missed, you know, the Olympic spot there by a hundred meters. Katie crashed out. So yeah, there was a lot of different things and crazy dynamics that happened leading into the Tokyo Olympics that ended up basically pitting Katie and I against each other for the last spot and it kind of sucked. So I hope that doesn't happen again. And I hope, you know, I can execute and just, you know, treat the Paris test event like all these other races and continue with my consistency. I was actually just looking back at your, you know, amazing resume actually. And you haven't actually been outside the top 20 since 2018, May Yokohama it's just consistently been top 10s pretty much since 2018 which is you know that's just insane how consistent that is even before that race your last time out of the 20 um, top 20 was 2016 uh, in Hamburg uh, and the commentary touched on it um, Trevor he said like you are probably the most consistent female athlete out there at the moment and it's obviously showing and it's paying dividends as well which is really cool because like I remember when we first met I think I was in Singapore and you know that when we went for a ride and that kid was showing us around and he went and he did like a U-turn and he, and he crashed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. Yeah. At that point you were still actually um, studying at that point. I was done studying, but yeah, I was still pretty like new. Well, I felt like I was new to everything. Yeah. Yeah. But you're still like pumping out great results there as well. And then, yeah, it just shows that your progression through, um, the years has just kind of just becoming more solid, more consistent. And did Super League give you any kind of momentum through that? Because you're also like really solid through that series as well. Um, you know, pumping out good results week in, week out. Yeah, Super League taught me a lot. I think, you know, you really learn how to be on um, like from the start. And that's something that's not usually my strength. Like it usually I build into races a bit. So Especially this last season with Super League, we altered my training a little bit with some speed work and that translated really well. And I finished the series, you know, it came down to the last race and I finished the series um, second overall, which was really cool. And um, I never thought I would get to the point where I'm fighting for like a win in a series. So to be, you know, in that situation, like at the end of last year for Super League and now I feel like in the World Triathlon Series, I'm in that position as well. It's it's uh, really reassuring. Taylor, you're obviously leading the, the World Triathlon Championship Series after the weekend's race at Cagliari, but you haven't won a race yourself. What do you think you have to do to take that step from being one of the best in the world where you're so close but just can't quite take that next step? Oof, that's a tough question. 
like looking back at my results over the course of the last few years, the progression has been pretty steady. Like I'm slowly making my way, you know, up to lower and lower finish numbers. So at least that's reassuring. Like hopefully I'm headed in the right direction. I try to, you know, keep that in mind. Like you don't just jump from like, you know, 30th place to first place usually. And the way I race and the way I've, you know, come into the sport a little later in life, I think this consistent build is is reassuring but yeah it's a bit frustrating not to win win a race and I come from a swimming background so I know I need to be consistently working on on my run and stay healthy and I think if I you know continue to just keep doing what I'm doing hopefully I can get there by the end of the season yeah and I guess as you, you know you touched on before you know you come from a surf life-saving background uh, from California so I guess Cagliari is, is kind of like the perfect race for you as well because as as you touched on you know it's a nice beach start. it was nice and warm it wasn't too windy for you guys I think at, at that point of time um, but yeah it was it was really like you could see um, you know we talked about it just before I was going to get on um, to the start line uh, you said you know take left because it was way better and I watched it live from the helicopter point of view and um, you could see yourself and other athletes that knew how to wade into the water got a huge advantage um, to that first boy and it kind of just set your race up super nice and all the all the females coming into the transition it was actually it was actually quite a long line but you guys I think pushed super hard on that first lap and that's where the gap kind of was formed and then you know, for that first few laps, it looked like you guys were working pretty well together and you had some strong athletes there. And especially that's what happened, I think, in our race too, which I'll touch on soon is it does kind of, uh, you start, I guess, look, uh, thinking of the run and you start looking at each other and the, the pace goes off a little bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. My surf life-saving background helps me with these beach starts. Unfortunately, Cagliari didn't have waves, but if you look back at yeah. Philly's Malibu, there were some waves and I got a pretty good one, which um, put me in the lead at the end of that race and it's fun when the the races that we do have different elements that suit different people's strengths and mm. I think Super League has done a good job with like you know a, an ocean race um, like a hilly course uh, a flat course a really like technical course and hopefully World Triathlon can can do something similar as they you know uh, develop the next few years but um it's fun because different different people have different strengths and it creates for for a better race. But um, yeah, I love it when you know <laughs> the, the conditions cater to my strengths, of course. Taylor, when you came off the bike in that select lead group um, on the weekend at Cagliari, did you think that you could win the race? Um, in Cagliari, I did not. I had an idea of you know who the podium could be and I thought you know Emma Georgia and Summer were the strong runners of the group and I was thinking to myself like am I going to be fourth again um but I somehow managed to you know catch Summer I think the bike maybe took a little bit more out of her than it normally does staying in that front pack and I was able to secure a third, but I really, I didn't think in Cagliari I could necessarily win. Whereas Yokohama, I think the lead group was, we're all more comparable runners, um, very similar. And 
you know, that race, I thought it could have gone to any of us. And, you know, Sophie just had the better day and she was incredible and she took her first win. But yeah, it's not often that I believe I can win a race. So I'm getting to that point little by little, which is a nice feeling to have. So I'm going to move on to, is this going to be the year that Taylor Spivey wins a race? <laughs> Let's hope so. We'll see. Let's hope so. Right? I'm spending a lot of a lot of time at altitude, so we'll see how that translates. Um, we have a lot of sprint races coming up. Yeah. Um, and I feel like the Olympic distance suits more of a breakaway. And so, yeah, I don't know. We, we will we'll just have to wait and see, but I hope so. And, and I guess also what Jack asked you before, like what did it take to win a race? And I think I was I was in that position for quite some time where I just oh I was coming third and second and I was so close, but I just didn't know what, what it took to win the race. And then you kind of finally win that race and then it's like something switches in your head. You just go in saying like, Well, I've won a race, why can't I do it again? And I think once you get that spot on the on the top, it just yeah, something just flicks. And then it just starts coming really, really quick, which I think is like, I think it's just that mental block, you know, it was like when I first raced back in 2017 in Hamburg and it was racing against Mario, Richard, um, Javier, and they were all kind of in there, you know, around their kind of peak area. Uh, and I just got into the front group and I just well, just felt like there was a barrier from me sitting on the back of a group to then try and get into the front. And then once I finally got confidence, I started racing how I would like to race and getting on the front and working hard. And then it was just, I think, slowly like chipping at those mental barriers. And then you kind of, once you get, as I said, to get that top step, you kind of know what you need to do and you and you kind of have those variants of, well, you can kind of play around a little bit more because you can try and, try and I guess, try and win in, in kind of certain different ways. So... That's kind of how I look at it is once you kind of get there, you kind of figure it out. It's quite, it's quite a cool feeling. I've got two, two things to sort of say based off that. Taylor, now that you, you came off that bike in that like really select league group and um, Georgia Taylor Brown and, and Emma Lombardi sort of got away from you pretty quickly. Now that you've got on the podium and you had a really consistent run and, and didn't really fade too much at all, Will you do what Hayden said? And, and if you're in that position again, will you just say, well, fuck it. This time I'm going to run with them from the start until I blow up or if I win? Um, I think coming off this bike in this particular race, I didn't quite have what it took to keep up with them on that first lap. Um, I generally build into the run, but I think I was also being a bit conservative knowing that I was just pretty sick and... Yeah, I just wanted to race a bit smarter. Going into the next few races, I'd like to be more aggressive, especially because they're going to be sprints or the the eliminator format. Um, so that's something I'm going to work on in training, which I think will then translate to you know a faster run from the start. And and yeah, I'll try to stay with you know the girls taking it out hot and see if I can keep up and. Who knows what will come of it <laughs> when I'm a bit healthier. <laughs> exactly. You just got to risk it for the biscuit. Yeah. Speaking of risking it for the biscuit, I reckon we move on to the men's <laughs> race now, Hayden, um, which was, yeah. uh, which is a crazy race, to be honest. The, the first, the first exciting men's race. And I know me and Hammer were talking about this off air before you guys got here. We felt it was the first race that 
was genuinely exciting in, in on the males side of things for the whole season. There's been okay races, but they've just been that. They've just been okay. Whereas I really enjoyed the race on the weekend. I thought it was really exciting. I thought the dynamics were intriguing and exciting. Um, the, the groups on the bike with like the, the Norwegians being in two different groups, um, yourself and Alex Yee with, with Alex Yee being back at an Olympic distance race, being on the front and committing to working hard on the front to, to establish that lead group. And then ultimately the run battle with yourself and Alex Yee and like Leo Bergier behind and how close are the Norwegians and some other strong runners from the back going to get to, to making it up to that front group. It was just a really intriguing, exciting race. How, how did you see it play out? Yeah, like I had a ride actually pre-race with Seth Ryder and he's normally one of the guys that are up the front uh, on the swim and same with Jamie Reddo and, and they keep on telling me that it's like, like ideally, can you just like keep swimming in the front group? Cause it just kind of helps us non-runners stay away a little bit. Cause they know that I like working and, and I normally 90% of the time I, I help bring it like 30 other guys with me, which I intentionally don't try and do, but it just happens anyway. Um, so uh, I kept on telling them like our com games last year, you know, I had a really good swim there, but that was the only good swim I had all year. So I kind of felt like in Yokohama, I, I cashed in my, my swim ticket and didn't know what to expect in Cagliari, but I do fancy myself a good uh, beach start. I'm not a great diver, so to get a good weight in was kind of what I needed to do to have a good start and had a great weight on that um, that left side. And uh, actually there was a spot in the, the pontoon where when we ran in to, I think, the first position, so 56, so it's it's... Turn, turned opposite so um ranked number one went to like pontoon start number 56 and then went 55 54 but 53 and 52 there was actually like a perfectly flat section where right beside it there was a big bunker to the left and to the right and then i actually saw leo take that spot as well leo budget and he, i asked at the uh, after the race i was like did you know there was a flat surface area from pontoon number tw- uh, 52 and 53 and he was like yeah sure did so if you see that leo and i just had a really good start and we didn't fumble too much uh, running into the water because we didn't have those holes so anyway we had a good start and i actually yeah got on um Deve's, uh feet the, hung- the really good swimmer from hungary and uh, he kind of dragged me up back up to the front of the group and came around the uh, first two boys and actually just got absolutely destroyed and i screamed out i was like what the fuck was that (laughs) and i think the people on the barn that they were recording the the um the swim behavior saw me scream out because i was just getting smashed i I literally was at pontoon two and i'm sorry i'm boy two and i wasn't moving like everyone was on top of me and uh and then they saw it was happening i think there was two athletes one athlete got disqualified another athlete got penalized. So I think that might've been around our area. I don't know, but yeah, I felt like I just got absolutely smashed, but I was about 15, 20 seconds off the front group after that kind of dilemma, but I had a really good wade in. So when I say wade, it's um, getting up uh, on your feet and running out of the water, um, keeping your hips open and keeping your knees high. And then, so you can really get into the, um, to the second round fast. So I waited in super fast and then waited in back onto Seth Ryder, who was in that, in that front group uh, and then just stuck right in that position and came out with, I think I was 10 seconds behind uh, Alex and Johnny in the first lap and the second lap I was uh, right beside them. So had a really, that was a really clinical part of the race. And 
yeah, form form the group in the front and really wanted to work hard. I know um, Christian and Yellow were a little bit behind, but I know it was the sort of course that it could probably just come all back together. But there was um, the first three laps, there was some really keen athletes to get away. So the, the normal athletes, uh, Jonas Schomburg, Leah Bouget, um, Martin Van Riel, they were already working. All of us were working. Um, Jamie Riddle, we're all working super hard for that first two or three laps and really keeping it the, the pressure on. Uh, there was one point where I thought the groups were going to come back together, but then we extended it back out to about 30 seconds and then we kept driving. And then we got it out to about 50 seconds. And that's when the group started to become a little bit, I guess, lazy because, you know, we had 50 seconds on Christian and Yeller and it was a good gap. Um, but I really wanted to keep on applying pressure and same with other athletes as well. So we got it up to a minute and it kind of plateaued in a minute. And then it was the last few laps and then it was just jostling for position, getting into that transition quick. Uh, yeah, I was obviously we had some great runners in our group, but there was also uh, Morgan Yeller and Christian a minute behind. So for Alex and I, we didn't have you know three or four other athletes that would normally have to worry about on the run because we did bike relatively hard. So and it was a hot day, and personally for me, uh, being in Europe for winter and then going to New Zealand for a winter and then going to Yokohama to race, and then going to Salzburg. I haven't seen anything over 20 degrees for about eight months. So coming into this race, it was 28, 29 degrees. So that was a factor that I kind of had to put into play into my running strategy. So we got onto the run anyway. Um, actually felt really good with bearing in mind I had Yokohama in my legs uh, for, for that 10K, but I felt like going to... Salzburg and going to that Red Bull Center and, and really getting that recovery I needed. Uh, it was, I think it was key to my how well I raced. Like I had physios, I had masseuses, I had was eating super healthy. I was getting looked after really well there. So the recovery rate was like so good. So coming into this race, I didn't feel too fatigued from Yokohama, but knowing, yeah, I still had a, a 10K, 10 days before this race. But going out, just did what I normally did. Um, and went out with Alex and we kind of just had a really high tempo running at about 250 pace and we just kept it on. And then uh, I think the last person to fall off was uh, Pierre Lacour and then right behind was Dorian and Leo. But uh, I guess coming out of transition as well, you had Jonas Schomburg who loves a good 2K hit out and we were running at 250 pace and Jojo was at least 10 seconds in front of us. So that guy went out at about probably a 240 split in a 10K race. And he he just loves it. Eh? That's just the way he races. And it's great for Alex and I, because then we can kind of hunt someone down in a way and it keeps us keeping the pace on. And I think there's a respect between Alex and I where we, yeah, we'll still play cat and mouse, but the the intensity of the run just won't ever die. So like I'll surge maybe to see how he's feeling, but the pace will drop back down to where it was. Then he'll surge and then it'll drop back to where it was. It never goes down to like four minute pace and then attack. It's always really honest. And that's why we run so fast every, every time. Cause we know, Hey, we, we just love running hard and, and racing fast. And we want to just pretty much just like bury each other to see who comes out on top. And I was feeling really good at this point, which he did most of the work on the first lap. And then we started sharing the work on the first, uh, on the second, third lap and the fourth lap. That's where I started kind of asking the question. I was feeling pretty good and I was doing a few surges. I did two or three surges. I think I did a surge in the last about 800 meter mark. 
and my coach said like you had him I well I I saw I was actually kind of I wasn't looking behind I was more so just checking how far the shadow was behind me and I saw it did kind of fall off but then he got back on and that's when I eased off a little bit and then he attacked again and then I tacked on what I should have done looking back at it now personally I should have gone around again and attacked and then kept the pace high to come down to the finish line but we slowed down a little bit and then he attacked again and I think I just hit the red line too much, just having you no know, heat preparation. My, I guess my ceiling of lactic just wasn't as high as I as I wanted it to be. So I guess personally coming second, I was actually super stoked because I know coming from New Zealand, the big travel to Yokohama, then the big travel to Europe, like it, I think it affected not just me, but all the athletes that raced Yokohama. Now uh, you could kind of see that it was, I personally, I just didn't have that that gear that I wanted to to try and um, contest for that win. So, yeah, I'm actually super proud of how I raced and how I you know, conducted both Yokohama and Cagliari. Well, I mean, you you run a, what, a 28.35 over 10K off the bike. Fuck, you run that any other time. You're going to do any other person in World Triathlon. <laughs> like, comfortably. I thought Leo ran bloody beautifully with a 20, 2019 mm. or 29.11 or something like that. You look at the times from last year. You guys have done it, done it by almost a minute. Like you've absolutely smoked. Yeah, yeah. I think Yokohama we put fifty seconds into him, but this this year, yeah, it's nothing more than thirty five. So he's definitely getting better and better and better. Which is making it for exciting racing. But I just want to go back to the very start. Is this is this notion that Hayden Wild is a terrible swimmer? Is that gone? Um, I think it all depends how I start. Like I know. The time I suck in swimming in the pool, but I know that the times, the 50 times that I hit and the 100 meter times that I hit, less tumble turns for me, the better. Uh, because I just can't tumble turn, I lose time. But anywho, I know that I can swim really like I, I can swim super strong, but I just don't have fast, like top end speed. And that's, that's what really affects me in the races. I've actually got a, like you've saw it in Super League where I could swim and contest with Matt sitting on his hip. Uh, but I just don't have that get out speed that everyone else has. So that's why I really favor the open water swim with the run and start because it's, I don't have to worry about that 50 meter get out speed. Cause you know, I'm a 30 second, 29 second, 50 meter guy, not a 27, like most of the top athletes are in the swimming league. So for me to just have a good start and then just be more relaxed, I think I've, that's the kind of the approach I've been taking is, just being a little bit more relaxed on the pontoon start and then being a little bit more relaxed through that 100 meters and then using my, uh, I guess, my endurance to then come back harder in the race. Because we saw it in Yokohama as well where, yeah, I lost 15 seconds in the first lap, but I didn't lose any time on the second lap. So that's kind of how I've brought this into the race is I've got the engine, just don't rev the engine too much in the swim because I think that was my issue. How's your confidence racing against Alex at the moment, Hayden? Um, well, Alex is, you know, I, obviously he's gone through the winter and he's, he's done a really great job in swimming as well. And it was, it was just a matter of time before both of us started swimming better. Uh, but it's just such a hard thing as Taylor would know, you know, you've probably, you know, you swim for years and years. And for a guy that was just started swimming at 18 years old, it's bloody hard to get, um, starting swimming when you're, you know, when you first started swimming at 18, like no swimming lessons or anything. So uh, it was a great race, but uh, you know, I'm. I think I'm in that situation with Taylor. It's just a matter of time before I I flip the switch and and find a way to 
that that works for me to 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 beat Alex. Like I, I've beaten him before for sure, but it's um it would be nice just to get a f- you know a few more up on top of him for sure. Going forward, are you looking forward to having re- like run battles with him? Are you like are you already hungry to come off the bike with him next to him and race him one on one on the run? Or after that race, did you sort of go, hmm, is there other ways I could go about beating this guy? Oh, hundred percent. Like I'm, I'm all about coming off the bike with Alex, whether it's, you know, five seconds down or 10 seconds up or whatever. If we come off the bike at the same time, I do have that spark inside of me that feels like I can beat him on the run. Like, you know, our, our track times are very similar and our run times are still very similar. It's just for me, I need to find a way that works better for me on the run. And as I said, it's just, it's just a matter of time until I, until I find that, that ticker that works for me. Uh, but yeah, it's it's the sort of racing that Javier was was touching on in episode two. You know, it's I love the challenge and I love how we race. You know, and Alex t- also touches on when we when we finish racing in our, our post commentary. You know, it's uh, we just love the sort of racing and we'll just bury each other every single every single race. Uh, but at the end of the day, we know that you know we're we're just continuously pushing and finding you know new kind of um, limits for both of us so it's it's a great challenge for me and it keeps me excited and gets me up in the morning and makes me train hard so it, it's great it's like Yokohama you know like I was 30 seconds up when this time like I had someone with me and as you said Jack it, it had another factor in the race where it made it just a little bit more exciting. This is a question for both of you Hayden and Taylor um, you know we've touched on it Taylor, you're getting so close to that first race victory, and Hayden's getting so close to getting his first victory in a you know in a standard distance over um, Alex. Like, what tools do you have for your mental? Like, because it's like triathlon's got to be such a huge mental game. Like, what tools do you use in your day to day life, your day to day training? You know, when you turn up to the race itself, like, what tools are you using for mental side? I think for me, I need to work on, like I said, I'm a bit slow to start. I need to be work on being like on from the start. And I think this is kind of funny to say, but I get this way and I think I call it like, I don't know if this is appropriate to say it. Like I listen to like a bad bitch playlist, you know? <laughs> we love bad bitch playlists. <laughs> like a bad bitch playlist, you know, like some like pump up, like, rap um to kind of get me in like this mental zone and I feel like that has helped me personally a lot um just to like get in the zone before the race and then sometimes throughout the swim I'll just be listening to the song and I don't know it's it's funny it's not really like I guess it's not like a normal mental technique but if I'm like there from the start and I'm kind of I'm kind of like checked in throughout the race um and then in terms of like coming off the bike into the run uh, that's my weakness, whereas Hayden's is more of the swim um, because Hayden started swimming at 18 and I really started, I mean, I ran like casually, but I I didn't start running until I did triathlon. So this is something I've been working on is becoming more confident in the run and telling myself that I can stay with these people. And I think that next step is like what you said earlier is, you know, staying with these runners from the start or at least staying within reach knowing that maybe they go out a bit hot, but then it drops off um, and just putting myself in, in position so that I'm in the race, you know. Taylor, what's your favorite bad bitch rap song? Oh my gosh. (laughs) 
I don't know. I go through phases. Bit of tower of blood, bit of bad blood. Oh, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's not bad, bitch. <laughs> There's a song right now. It's called Petty. I don't remember who sings it, but it was getting me in the zone. And then there's like some like female Spanish rappers that are like, I think it just it it like changes, but there's a few songs like every season that like I pick and that's like my playlist for the season. And yeah, maybe nice. I should share it with people one day. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the most appropriate, so just be warned. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Super League were doing that thing where they've been picking people's playlists and then putting them up onto their <laughs> Super League page. I, want, I, like, I hope Super League listens to this and goes and gets your bad bitch rap album. <laughs> they did ask me. They did ask me for it, and I was a bit afraid to give it to them. So I did. <laughs> just all these rap songs about sex and drugs and like stealing. <laughs> Everyone's like, "Is Taylor okay?" <laughs> Can someone check on Taylor? I, I think that's such a similar vibe thing, though. Like, I remember my sim coach who went to the Olympics, she was just, when you, because she enters me when I'm back in New Zealand, just 200 meter, 400 meter races sometimes. She's like, just get your heavy music on and just blast it and just get pumped for the like 50 meter, 100 meter. And I'm like, okay. And that's what I did. And I, I feel that it's, yeah. a, it's definitely a big swimmer thing, eh? It's definitely a swimmer thing. Because I remember in uni when I was swimming, I would always have like my big headphones on, you know, like my beats or something. And I'd just like get in the zone because the race is like so much shorter. Um, yeah. Sometimes you have to like wait a bit to warm up and you just, you know, you got to be in the zone. So it's fun. Exactly. I recommend it to everyone. Who- I'm just picturing Taylor rocking up to like swimming in the morning at like 5.30am. It's like dark outside. She's got a hoodie on, like over ear <laughs> headphones and she's just listening to like shake that right. ass for me. <laughs> shake that ass oh my God. <laughs> Like full on like eight mile meets like Michael Phelps at the Olympics with like yeah. his hood on, you know, and like the warm up room. That's, That's exactly what I'm now, picturing. Now when I when now when I walk past you, I can pre race, and you've got your like your bad bitch face on. Then I know that it's like it's not I haven't done anything or upset Hunter or something. It's more like. You you just you just got some big beats going on and you're just fully zoned. Yeah. So that's great. It's good to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You haven't done it's anything not wrong. You, it's me. But, but you've still got to be ca- you still got to be careful. She's not going to like mug you there and then. <laughs> I don't I don't believe Taylor actually has a bad bitch face. Like the amount of times I've seen you on TV, you're the only person that smiles twenty four seven. Really? Oh yeah, you're always just. I definitely I definitely have an RPF and I'm not the most like I'm not a morning person so you know catch me in the morning I'm not smiling that's for sure but it's not you it's literally honestly like it's me. I'm just tired and my yeah. bad bitch music isn't playing yet <laughs> fantastic and I so I guess I guess Jack for me as well um how I mentally prepare like I kind of I'm kind of like the complete opposite like I'm more than happy to have great conversations with people and just rip the piss out of and just have good chats. Like for example, a great one is actually having a video call 50 minutes before, 40 minutes before uh, the race with my brothers. And we're just cranking like Gordon Ramsay videos and uncle was it uncle Jim is what's his name. This is not flat rice. <laughs> <laughs> uncle Roger. <laughs> uncle Roger. <laughs> and we just go, like, we just watch, um, we just watch yeah, videos like that all the time. And then so I come into a race, but then um, five minutes before or three minutes before, that's when I like completely zone in. And then touching on when you said like, what do you think when you come off the bike? Do you want to be in front of your your top competitor coming off the run? 
I kind of like totally blank out and just go into like a racehorse mentality. Like I just have my flaps on beside my ear on my eyes and just go for it. And I kind of forget what kind of happens in the race until I just kind of, then that's like my fight and flight sort of mentality, but also just pure race instincts. And it's, I think it's, you just can't teach that. I, I think you just can't teach that. Like you just have it or you don't have it where you just go for it and you don't really care what the consequences are in a way of you blowing up or something. Like I will go out as hard as I can and just try and stay in the race as long as I can. And I think that's what I've always done when I was an absolute shit house athlete, you know, back in 2014, I was trying to keep up with, you know, like a, in the local races, like a guy called Kieran Coates, he was an under 19 world championship in Auckland. He either won the world champs or got second, but, on the juniors and the juniors yeah and you know he comes to our local cross country and he's you know he's top tier world class and i'm just this like bogan little off-road runner trying to hold his feet and i'll just do that all the time you know and you got ncaa athletes coming home and i just try and hold on as long as i can and i think that's what i've always done and i think this is my mentality but also training by myself all the time it's actually i feel like you you either enjoy training with other people or you enjoy training by yourself and for me i really i've just always trained by myself coming from a little town not many athletes so i've just gotten used to training by myself and like i always tell people around me like don't feel offended if i feel like just training by myself and not training with other athletes is because i just it just for me it feels weird when i train with other athletes because i've just always done it by myself um i love training with athletes for sure but it's I, I think for me it's just yeah i'll just like just do my own vibe i can control my easy days i can control my hard days and yeah for, for, um, for sure i always need to push but yeah it's just that feeling of just doing it by myself is just like is, i've just always done it just quickly before you flick off to jack for jack's observations do you think you're getting better at these like each individual disciplines because you don't actually really train with triathletes like you train with specialists you train with sam tanner who's you know 1500 meter runner mile runner you train with kids at the pool or whoever at the pool who was specialists and then you go to like bike club and stuff you're not actually training with other triathletes do you think that's helping you at all yeah, like when I'm in uh, in Europe, I always swim by myself. But when I'm in New Zealand, like I'm just swimming with a swim squad and Sam and I have grown up with each other in competition. And, you know, we just love training with each other. And I just love training with Sam on the track and we just love running together. And it's just great. We've got good banter. And I think it's just always, I just love being in an environment where it's like really relaxed and it's not, you have to be here at 12 o'clock or else you're going to get in trouble. Like it's, oh, lads, should we run at 7 a.m.? And then we wake up and like, oh, we're going to be a bit late. Do you want to do it at 7.30? Like just being real relaxed. But yeah, I just like being relaxed and keeping it a nice flow because um, I feel like when you get too serious and put science and all sorts of jibber-jabber into it, you lose the love of the sport. So I just love love the sport and love kind of keeping it flowing. But keeping it flowing, we'll chuck it to Jack's observations. What do you got this week, big fella? I think I've got my best observations yet. I've gone less, I've gone three observations, but I think they're all high quality. So I'll rip through them and then um, let me know afterwards if you've got any comments on them. So number one, if you're going to the Olympics as a female, start swimming and then swim some more and then some more and then some more. Number two, 
I think we are seeing the new Alistair Brownlee and Javier Gomez in the form of Alex Yee and Hayden Wilde. Different athletes, but I think same level of being ahead of everyone else. It's just going to be interesting this time around whether we see Alex Yee go a long way ahead and and start dominating at the big races like winning both Olympics or whether Hayden can make that gap that Javier was never quite able to do when it came to the big races. Number three, Gwen Jorgensen won't ever get back to being one of the best in the world and will never again win a WTCS race. But having her on start lines is great for the sport. Oof, yeah, you're right. I think you have saved um, your best for last. Uh, Taylor, since you're the guest of the show, we'll start with you. I think that's very true because you see a lot of um, very strong runners coming into these races. Like, for instance, you know, Gwen took a bit of a break and her run is phenomenal, but um, the swim has really leveled up. And if you miss a few years or if you're not quite there in the front, you know, you're never going to be in the the race. Um, I think that's also something like, you know, some of the younger females like um, this, Swedish young girl, Tilda Manson. She was in the race too, and she's a phenomenal runner. And yeah, if she's, you know, not swimming with the front, she's, you know, never going to podium. So I 100% agree with point number one. You know, so you got, you got these athletes that are, are, you know, sensational runners and sensational athletes. But if you're not there in the swim, you've got to run five minutes down, you know? Yeah, yeah. And like Beth is like a perfect example of an athlete who's an incredible runner. I mean, she went to the Olympics for running and she's been working on her swim. And, you know, the better she swims, the more likely she is to perform. But it's a work in progress for her. And even someone like Cassandra, who is an incredible runner and an incredible swimmer, if she's not in that front pack, you know, she's not, she's not going to podium. So you, you know, the nail on the head with that one yeah I agree yeah the second point uh about Hayden and Alex I think this race personally watching it um from the ground I think this is the first time I really saw Hayden seem like really comfortable running with Alex and for a moment there I thought he could could take the win and it was it was really an exciting race to watch because you know Alex is so dominant with such an so dominant on the run and so natural at it. It's um, it made it so exciting to watch them both fight for that win until the last, you know, 200 meters or so. Yeah. The sport is reaching like another era where you have these two very competitive athletes who, you know, can, can go head to head and who knows who's going to take the win the next time. Very exciting. And the third point I touched on Gwen, the first point about the swim, and I think it's it's cool to see her back because I think she left the sport, you know, um, maybe not in the best way, and to see her come back to it and have these big goals and, you know, be challenged again by it and maybe, you know, find a new appreciation and humbleness for it, I think is is good for us as athletes who you know looked up to her um as she was dominating and now i'm in a position where i'm racing her and i i wasn't really there when i started i was 
I kind of saw her at her peak and then and then she left. So yeah, I'm sure she's incredibly disappointed, you know, being lapped out in that last race. But it was cool to have her be there and like see how professional she is. And um, I never, like I said, I never really had the opportunity to like race her. So it's cool having someone you looked up to, you know, when you were younger, be on the start line. Hammer, yes, no time. Yes, sir. We will jump into yes, no time. Now, uh, myself and Jack were having a wee little bit of a yarn, um, a kōrero, as we like to call it here in New Zealand. Um, and we actually both brought up the same point, okay? So we've spoken about um, triathlon um, and I guess I guess a wee bit about the broadcast. It's not too much about the broadcast, but it's more about the swim cap. So from you three, I just want a simple yes or no, and we'll come back to it, and we'll have a bit of a yarn about it afterwards. So with the swim caps, does it need to be more like individualized? Does there need to be something more pronounced on the swim caps so we know who's who? Because at the moment, it's pretty tough when you're in the water um, to know who's who. Like, do we need like a big number one on each side or something? That's Jack's comment. And then like a big wild or a big spivey or something like that, just to know who that is. So I'll uh, put that to you guys, yes or no? Yes. Um, no. No, I'd be on the fence, but I, I feel like I'm in Taylor's position as well. Like I'm on the fence. So yes and no. Okay, sweet. Um, is short course racing, short course triathlon racing, is it in a healthy position at this current moment? The foundations are there, but currently potentially not. Yes, no, Hayden. Come on. No. 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 All righty. And to finish it off, Spewing right on the finish line. Yes or no? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't do it, but shit, yeah, I love it. <laughs> it's very entertaining, and it means you gave it your all. So, sure, as long as it's not on me. <laughs> yeah, I think the best one I've seen this year, but this whole series, Martin Van Riel, oh, that was sensational. Sure. That was sensational. Like, he doing, like the camera panned on him did one and then the camera and then some guy walked in front of him camera pan back on him round two camera came back round three and this wasn't just this wasn't just vomit this was projectile this was fantastic like his entire breakfast and dinner everything in between <laughs> so uh, good that was great i love martin that was fantastic <laughs> while we're here can we hear about the story of you nearly shitting yourself before we went on air yes. aiden Oh, of course. So, like, I normally have, a, like, a morning coffee, but I don't have any of my coffee stuff. And so we jogged down to the coffee store, hoping it was open, but it's a bank holiday here in Andorra. So it was closed. So we went for a half-an-hour jog just to shake the legs off. And um, I was coming back up, and I was like, oh, man, like, I hadn't had a coffee, so I didn't, you know, I didn't go number twos before I left um, to, you know, wake up the system. And then I got halfway, and I fit, you know, my half-an-hour run. And uh, started running back up the valley, and I was like, "Oh man, I really need to take a crap. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm busting here, eh?" And then I, Hunter and I did the same lap, so I went a bit further, and then caught Hunter back up. And I was, uh, she was like, "Oh, we're about four minutes from home." And I was like, "Oh man, I really need to go toilet." She's oh, me too. And then <laughs> we're like running, and then she all of a sudden she stopped. She's like, "Nah, I can't do it." So she walked <laughs> home, and, <laughs> and then I was like, "Nah, give me the key. I need to go." And then I boost, and I, I think I just made in time i was in the elevator and we're at the sixth floor and i was like just standing in that <laughs> elevator i'm like oh Lynching. this is Lynching shit. oh yeah but we've got two toilets which is great so 
as the kind boyfriend I am, I boosted, opened the door, left the door open for her to make a quick evac. But also at the same time, when I got in the elevator, I pressed the elevator back down to number one. So I'd arrive for Hannah on floor one. And then, uh, yep, she went to her bathroom. I went to my bathroom. Happy days. Because we've got two bathrooms. So it's great. And they say romance is dead. No. You've got it. It's a little thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we're going to go back. We'll go, we'll go back now that Hayden's told that story. Um, so the first one, the swim caps. For, for me, as someone who watched the race on the weekend versus, say, Hayden and Taylor who are in the race on the weekend, or I know that Hayden, after episode one, sent out a pretty aggressive message to me and you, Hammer, and Britt Banders from talking about long course racing. Um, that's breaking the third wall. But me, me and Hammer were a little bit scared of Hayden for about two to three days there, and the chat on the message group definitely went down. But we're sort of we're, – we're a little – we're sort of just dipping our toe back in now. And <laughs> like a, but watching these races, it's, it's a no-brainer. Like – the big thing is the commentators don't know who is who or wh- like where anyone is. And so you sort of, for the first 15 to 20 minutes of, of a race at the moment, what you're doing is you're just waiting to see when they come out of the water as to like who's actually there and what order they're actually in. And the commentators are sort of guessing and you're guessing. And it's just, it's it doesn't make any sense to me. There needs to be really clear, identifiable, identifiable ways to tell who is who, whether it is, we've got a list with everyone's start number and there's just a massive number on it or whether it is their name on it or whether every single athlete has a different color um, connected to their name and that's available. Like there's just got to be some way that within the first minute or two minutes of the race, you can know where everyone is that you're looking at on the screen. Cause right now, like I don't know where everyone is. The commentators don't know where everyone is. It's, it's, it's a nightmare and I can't keep watching races waiting for transition one to tell who is who and where they are. I agree. It's definitely difficult to, you know, see who's who in the race. Like I've been in a situation where I'm like, literally, I think, I think the commentators, sometimes they know certain athletes strokes. Like I think Chelsea knows, you know, a lot from the sport because she was, you know, in the sport and she knows some of the athletes personally. So I think when she's doing commentary, she's very good at, you know, picking off athletes a bit better than, you know, people who aren't as, you know, close to the athletes. But I've been in situations even where I'm biking and like the commentators saying that I'm Jessica Learmouth and like my name's coming across the screen. Like I, and and my name's on my back of my suit. Like sometimes, you know, nothing will change what they're saying. (laughs) But um, I think what would help because they did have different color caps, I think affiliated with the top, I don't know what what was it, Hayden, like the top eight? It goes, I think it goes eight and yeah, top 10, then 20, then 30, I think. Yeah, now it's like yellow is the top 10. But before, I think each number was associated with a different color. But the fear was that certain athletes would be targeted in the swim. So they went to like the first 10 are yellow and then the next 10 are, you know, a different color. But in terms of like spectating on the TV, maybe it would be nice to have some sort of like, gps or something like that you could just kind of like put in your cap so that you could just have like a pin and be like okay this is you know taylor and then this is summer and like they're right here because otherwise no matter what's on the cap i think from you know an aerial view you're not going to be able to tell who's who i had an epiphany that uh, i don't know if it would i know i've done a few open water swim races in new zealand but why don't they 
obviously, you know, when you're on the bike or when you're on the run, you run over a, a, a transponder, a, a transponder chick chicken system, right? So to get your time, your lap splits and, and stuff like that. So why don't they do it in the swim where they have like, so obviously the first boy and then at the, cause the boys are so big. No, no brother's going to hit the top of the boy. Like you're not even, you know, you're not even close to it. Cause the boys are like two meters high or whatever. So why don't you have like a line that, uh, as a radio responder to the um, GPS chip. So when you go through that first boy in 250 meters, you know who exactly is is going through uh, turn boy one, and then you can do it maybe at the, the, the last boy at turn boy four. So at least you've got in the middle of the swim, you actually know where people are. Maybe there might be some connectivity issues with um with the water with your feet being underwater but surely at least would pick up you know 80 percent of the field maybe not 100 percent, but at least it would get you know a, a good gauge of where people are or where some people are maybe yeah fair enough and then we'll uh move on to that last point is short course racing in a healthy position at this current moment we've got three no's jack i want to start with you <sighs> I, I try not to be super negative about this kind of thing because the racing is is good. The athletes are high level. So we've got the backbone and the structure there needed. We've got good stories, good characters, high level racing. So, I mean, if you think about this like cooking, we've got the ingredients. We just don't quite have the other things you need to make the cake. We've got them all sitting there on the bench. I think it's largely around the people in charge I, th- I feel like, like this is a bit of a problem throughout the entire triathlon world. Our coverage is just not quite at the level of the other big sports in the world. I actually think the short course coverage is is a little bit better than the long course coverage. Not that that's saying much, but I don't know. I don't think we have the coverage and the backstories and the the high level commentators and the people telling the stories and the like the the coverage going on between races that say the big sports like NFL and F1 and cricket and you know all the big 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 sports in the world soccer have so I don't know I think right now we're at a point where with short course racing we're going to capture the committed short course fan I think it's going to be very hard to get in the non-triathlon fan um, and and even quite hard to get in the the long course triathlon participant who likes triathlon but but hasn't really come across watching short course racing. So I feel like we're at a position where maybe we're going to have the same viewers we've always had, but we're not going to grow too much. I just think they need to invest heavily into into like production and content and start telling the stories behind the scenes and because the racing's good. Yeah, I agree. Like the racing at the moment is really good. Like I remember when I first started getting into it, it was kind of same old, same old, but I feel like there's so much good youth coming through. And I think it is the sport is really rich in that fact. The sport is really rich. There's a lot of good youth starting to come through. I mean, just the, using the men's, for example, you look at the top 10 in the men's, look how young every single one of those blokes are that came in there. Shout out to Pierre Lacour, the old boy still getting in the mixer. Um, but the rest of them are, are really young. So on that front, I think it's rich. And then, as you were saying, Jack, I agree. Hayden? Yeah, I think I, I was on the fence, but you have to say yes to no. But I think it's more leaning towards no just because like, I think we've got good commentary for sure, but I think we just need that, like a third person just to keep the ball rolling and and doing something a little bit different. What Super League do really well, they've got Chris McCormack, who is normally like the very informative 
um, guy who knows a lot about the sport. Then you have uh, Will McCoy, who comes from a netballing background, and he's just hilarious, but he loves the sport, and he actually does a little bit of it, but he's that guy that's in the middle that's a little bit on the fence. He's that on-the-fence guy. And then they normally get uh, a guy that's a little bit controversial and don't know knows a lot about the sport, but also can say something a little bit critical, but then they're they're, they're always kind of like bouncing off each other in some way. So I think we just need maybe a third person to use that bounce off. Like, I don't know, I've been watching the Giro a little bit and they're just like, yeah, they keep you watching the race. It's it's five hours of complete garbage, like of just guys spinning on a bike until the last 10 minutes when it really starts cranking hard. And they do that for like nearly 20 days in a row, but they keep you there because they know how to keep you there. And then, you know, obviously they have other things they can talk about and they have, they have the little plots inside the race that they talk about, like this guy's doing this or this guy's competing against this guy or uh, blah, blah, blah. There's another element there where cycling has multiple characters that aren't the athletes. So they have the mountains, they have the weather, um, you know, there's, yeah. there's, there's elements, uh, they have crashes, triathlon needs to learn from that so cycling is the the, absolutely the sport we should look at as how do we get our sport Mm. that big because cycling is more boring than triathlon but (laughs) watching triathlon is more boring than watching cycling the reason why is because we have these and let's we're talking about purely short course for for this um this discussion but our courses are fucking boring they like they could put they could put a 11 year old adhd um, version of me like at primary school completely un- understimulated they could have put me to sleep where nothing could have like my mum if my mum was smart smart back in the day she should have had me sit in front of some of these wtcs courses i would have been off off like lights <laughs> so they need to look we've already we've we've discussed this to death but for god's sake chuck some hills in the courses make the runs like more entertaining these these like crit style races they're so boring um I think I touched on this earlier with the variety um, that Super League brings to the courses. Um, yeah, like cycling, it would be great if we had, you know, different terrains or, I don't know, courses, not just on the bike, but on the swim and the run that would suit different athletes, which would make it a lot more exciting. Like, I mean, they have different courts in tennis, you know, they have different uh, races that suit different athletes in cycling. And I think the sport would really benefit from that. Um, Another big point that I don't think anyone touched on was I think what really limits spectator viewership is that it's not free to access. Like, I think that really helps Super League because anyone can watch it. Like, and if I'm, you know, uh, a university athlete, I'm not going to pay a subscription. Like, I'm just going to try to use my friends or, I don't know, or I'll just watch Super League because it's free. And I think that's a really big limiter with World Triathlon because you're losing so many people um, and spectators with this like barrier to entry. Whereas I think like Red Bull Racing did a really good job um, with mountain biking. And I think the viewership has increased an incredible amount. And if you could just get some like, I mean, I know this is easier said than done, but just some like, he sponsors to subsidize that cost. I think the sport would grow, the viewers would grow, and I think it would be a huge ter- return and in investment. And I've brought this topic mm. up quite a few times to the athlete committee, but I think it would take a pretty big investor to, yeah. to get to that point. Mm. 
Yeah, I love getting into these conversations and diving deep onto them because um, it's something that obviously, you know, everyone's so passionate about. But something that I'm bloody passionate about is giving free shit away. And we are going to move right on to something that has built this podcast. It's the only reason why we exist. And it's because free, it's free, 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 free stuff. Jackie, free stuff, free stuff, free stuff, free stuff. Boy, what do we got? <laughs> okay, off the bat. Giveaways are fun to be in and fun for you boys to be a part of, but running one, oh my god! Like, I, it was a, it's. Like, I think it was easy. It was a huge yeah, mistake. A <laughs> They're like, I hate, I hate admin. I don't do my life admin. Like, if I get a parking ticket, I can't pay it because I, I'm allergic to life admin. I, like, I, there will be a point where I end up in jail for three weeks. Like, you just won't hear from me, and it's because I'm in jail because I haven't paid like 18 parking fines over the last 10 years. I just can't do admin. And this, like, this was just a nightmare. And it was a nightmare because there was over 4,500 entries into this giveaway. Um, and I had no idea how to collate them all or put them into a random generator or anything like that. So, um, yeah, nightmare. So can I, can I quickly name the, the partners off that have come in? I love that. I was going to do it, but it's your show. Mm, I, I can, yeah, let's do it. So, We've got obviously everyone's seen the big billboard and uh, the value of 2,475 US. So we've got Pillar Performance coming on. If you've been with How They Train podcast for some time, Jack always gives them a good plug uh, and they've got some good stuff going on. Uh, form goggles with the, also a swim cap. Um, so you get form goggles and a swim cap. So I also use form goggles and I've actually and done some collaborations with them and I think they're a great brand and it's a great innovation and also they do partner with how they train as well podcasts and uh, precision fuel and hydration $250 worth there as well I've used some of their product and um, it goes super hard and they've got a, yeah, a cool little team based in the UK uh, I'm putting up a pair of Nike Alpha Flies 2s worth around 200 US I'm also partnering once again with Orca who are my wetsuit and some sponsors uh, for the last six years and they're coming in with an awesome new Apex Flow Triathlon wetsuit. Um, I kind of feel sorry for whoever takes this one but um, a two-month membership to Dan Plews. Um, Dan Plews and I get on extremely well. He helps me a little bit with my data but um, no, he's a great character and Enduro IQ is definitely um, yeah, just making some big waves in the triathlon community. Another one of my partners have come in as well and we've got a pair of Sun God glasses as well. Um, fully 100% um, yeah, re reusable glasses. They're amazing. Um, yeah, I've been with them for about two years. Great brand, love them, and uh, so good to work with. So, yeah, that's the that's the big kind of um, giveaway we're having. Okay, so like I said, we had over 4,500 entries, which was crazy. What we've done and how we how we wanted to do this is we went away and we we got them all into like a big thing and got the random number generator going and it's picked out five different people um, or what it actually did was pick out five different Instagram handles. So um, so yeah, what we'll do is um, we, we've we've drawn five people which are the shortlist finalists and then from there um, I'm going to tell you a bit about each of the five. I'm going to tell you their names, some like facts about them. Then I'm going to go around and ask Hammer, Hayden, Taylor, and and myself um, who our favourite is. So we're going to like have a horse in the race, like sort of cheering for them. 
um, and then we'll chuck the, those names are chucked into the random number generator. Um, one will be picked and and we'll announce the winner live on air. And it's like it's a serious prize. It's two and a half thousand US dollars. It's almost five thousand Australian and, and New Zealand dollars. So yeah, we wanted to do it justice to thank our partners. So the first of the five finalists is William. Or I'm going to call him Willie or Bill. I'm not going to call him William because I like Willie or Bill better. Willie is an American fella. He's 22 years old. Will started doing triathlon a year ago and has done two Ironman 70.3s. I think Max Newman is his favorite triathlon, but he definitely has a massive crush on Heather Jackson. For those who don't know, retired American triathlete. Now does some like weird trail bike riding type stuff, I think. Um, (laughs) And he's graduated from college um, and he's engaged. And to quote him, nobody deserves to be happy their whole life. So that's that's what he said about his engagement. <laughs> so that's Bill or, or Willie. Uh, Thanks, Willie. Finalist number two is Gabby. Uh, Gabby's a Brazilian. She's 31 years old. She's a medical student, um, so a bit of an older medical student. So she's clearly had to get there the hard way, and now she's probably in for about eight years of hard work at uni there. So good luck with that, Gabby. Um, she's got a dog. Uh, she fell in love with the challenge of triathlon. She has an expensive road bike. But this is bizarre, guys. She wears like a $10 cheap as hell Kmart bike helmet, but she has a really expensive road bike. So I just found that's a bit of a faux pas for me. And I think her favorite triathlete is Lucy Charles Barclay. So we've got Bill and Gabby. Finalist number three is Damien. Damien is our oldest contestant. Um, He's Australian and he's 55 years old. Um, has a great picture of him playing golf that on his Instagram, which I love, one of my favorite pictures ever, the big selfie on the green, looking very happy to be away from the family and playing golf for a couple of hours. Damien is an IT nerd um, and former professional umpire. Has done an Ironman and about 20 70.3s, including two age group 70.3 world champs. Um, and he's the vice president of his local triathlon club. Loves Gustav Eden by the looks of things. So that's three. Number four is Caitlin. Now, Caitlin, I'm just going to put it like nothing personal against Caitlin, but she's my least favorite. I'm going to put that off the bat. And the reason why is because <laughs> she's a New Zealander. She's a New Zealand girl. Yeah, well, I, I, I didn't know... I don't know her at all, but I just looked in the background. I saw some ferns. I was like, boom, that's New Zealand. And then Jack was like, yeah, that's New Zealand. She's from New Zealand. so Yeah, but might live in Australia. I'm not too sure. I think maybe she lives in Australia, but it's from New Zealand. So still not enough to get me over the line if she is, in fact, a New Zealander. Caitlin's 26 years old. She's a registered nurse. Um, she's new to triathlons. Her, her favorite triathlete is a New Zealand triathlete, Nicole Vanderkau, I think. She has a dog as well. And I just started laughing midway through saying this because Caitlin has by far the funniest of any of the little facts that I'm going to give. Um, Caitlin has a <laughs> Caitlin has a bald patch on the top of her head, and she's given it a nickname. So the nickname <laughs> on the of the bald patch on her head is Bruce. <laughs> so she, <laughs> which just. Like <laughs> hilarious. Uh, it almost got me over the line. Like I was, she went from my least favorite to maybe she's my favorite. I'm not sure. I'm a bit confused about Caitlin, but yes, ball patch on her head called Bruce. Um, and then our last contestant, uh, our last finalist is Alla. Alla is uh, a 21 year old Australian girl, a lifetime runner. Um, she's got a pretty serious boyfriend triathlete who got her into triathlon. He's, um, you know, he's, he's doing that very serious age group, 70.3, maybe going to transition into being a pro. And I think her favorite triathletes, Max Newman as well, as well. So I think two out of the five big Max Newman fans. So there we go. Just to recap, our finalists are Willie, 
Gabby, Damien, Caitlin, and Ella. Hammer, who was your favorite? Um, all of them, because none of them have Hayden as their favorite athlete. Um, but I'm going to lock in Caitlin. <sighs> okay, one for Caitlin. Hammer's favorite Caitlin. Hayden, who was your favorite? Well, Caitlin just disappointed me straight away. As, as much as we love uh, Nicole Van and Kay, like, come on, where's the, where's, where's the big H, H dub from NZ? Come on. Uh, this whole this whole podcast was about was it's it's about me, right? Anywho, <laughs> 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 uh, um, I'm gonna go for um, I'll go for Ella. Yep, thought you were an Ella guy. Taylor, who was your favorite? Willie, Gabby, Damien, Caitlin, or Ella? I'm gonna go with Bruce. Yeah, <laughs> up the Bruce. Yeah, I wonder whether she'll get the. Sh- AKA, good uh, Caitlin. Yeah, that's Caitlin's ball patch. I, I, I was thinking this. The form, the form swim cap will probably come in handy for Caitlin if she gets in the pool. <laughs> Hamish, actually, about that, how's your board patch going, Hamish? It's sweet. I, I'm growing over now. I've got it yeah, cut. That's good. What's its name? Yeah, he, he had a big ball patch. He, I was seeing it in the group chat. It's horrific. You know how like parents will be like with a kid, they'll be like, oh my God, it's so cute. What's its name? That's what we start doing with people's bald patches after this. Yeah, I love it. I think everyone should embrace naming their bald patch. <laughs> okay. For the, for the record, my favorite is, uh, is Willie. The um the twenty twenty the yeah, twenty two right. year old. I just think pretty funny to be married at twenty two and and be saying things like uh, no yeah. nobody deserves to be happy their whole life. <laughs> sort of twenty two going on forty five. <laughs> okay, mm. so alrighty, Jack, give it give it away. Give it a whirl. It's no one's favorite. It's Damien. Damien, we all hated you, uh, but the, you know, you've got the prize pack. So who's the real winner here? He's probably done the most triathlons. So. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the reason why he said he's gone to the 19th hole is because he's, he sent us in a photo of a selfie and it looks like the 18th green. So he's going straight to the 19th hole with that prize pack. Hayden, just, just to clarify here, he did not send us that picture. I went onto his Instagram and like, so you've just basically thrown me way under the bus there because I've gone onto his Instagram, screenshotted it because <laughs> what I did was I screenshotted a photo from all of them and put them there with a little description for the boys to follow along with. So yeah, you've just ah. completely thrown me under the bus for being the stalker I am there. That's one each. In fact, Jack's got one of Willie and his wife. Yeah. So. Will, Willie's actually yeah. Willie's actually my screensaver. He's the background on my phone now. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw you under the bus quickly before we wrap up the show. Um, episode two, actually, we we're talking about um, some of the female races, and um, you you let one slip actually, um, and she's actually on the show today, Taylor Spivy. Oh yeah, it's Taylor Spivy. <laughs> Taylor Spivy. What the heck's a Spivy? Oh. I actually, What's a Spivy? It's okay. What, one of the commentators on Chorus and Cagliari came up to me and apologized to me for calling me Spivy. It happens a lot. So I actually, so I'm going to throw <laughs> some, go. I'm going to throw someone else under the bus here. I actually know Taylor's name is Taylor Spivy well, because, and so I do, but I do say Taylor Spivy quite a bit despite that. The reason I know it is... You just wanted to mix it up? <laughs> it just happens. It happens with a couple of other names, but I'm not going to give them as well away. Um, Kyle Glass, who hosts another triathlon podcast, does not shut up about Taylor Spive. He just absolutely adores her. Like, 
massive crush on her. <laughs> says he wants to marry her one day to me all the time. Like he's literally told me many, many times he wants to marry Taylor Spivey one day. So I do actually know that. Can't be thrown under the bus without forwarding that and throwing someone else under the bus. That's so funny. Yeah, Kyle, Kyle's hilarious. Um, I, I just want to finish off uh, by saying before uh, Hayden um, closes us up for the day, um, Taylor, I just want to thank you for getting me um, my max points I could get on you and the new um, – fantasy triathlon i put you to have come third place and it's exactly what you did hayden i had you to win and you didn't so you you need to sort your shit so i mate. need those oh, you're welcome. <laughs> you should have been against the horse tell you what you should have <laughs> um anywho well we'll wrap the show up we've been going uh for a good time um a little bit over as we normally do just because we had the little giveaway Taylor, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, it was really nice to actually get um, a female um, yeah, a, um, overview of a race, but also your thoughts and views of how racing and stuff instead of it just being uh, the lads on. So thank you so much for coming. I know you're in altitude training a storm and Yuko Takahashi is waiting for you after her little hike for you guys to go and do some training. So yeah, once again, thank you so much and looking forward to seeing the boys again for episode four next week. Thanks, guys. Thank you for having me. Bloody good, guys. Thank you. Oh, Damo, DM me.